You're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and all things modern culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang, and thanks so much for tuning in for this week's episode. Hope you're doing fabulously and you're having a great start to your new Lunar New Year. Happy Year of the Rat. I don't know what the rat signifies, so I can't speak more on that, but gong hei and let's make lots of money. Let's get rich, a la Ronnie Chang. Thank you for informing us what that means. Um, speaking of getting rich, this week's episode, I have my dear friend Janet Wang from Asian Boss Girl uh, in, in the studio, if you want to call it that, uh, in the studio to talk to me about her career pathway and how she has transformed so much as a person and as a professional over the years. Uh, Janet and I got to get to know each other and work together when we put on Off the Mic, which was our live event last fall hosted by Asian Boss Girl, Perfectly Imperfect, and myself from First of All. And Janet is just one of the most wonderful people I've ever met. She is incredibly just wise and thoughtful, and she has had such a myriad of experiences professionally and figured out a way to find out who she is as a person through that process. So um, getting to know her these past several months has been such a treat, and Janet, you're the best, and I'm really, really happy that we finally got to sit down to have this episode and share her thoughts and her experiences and her learning lessons from changing careers and honestly just switching gears in a lot of different ways, but careers, you know, being the main thread that we get to follow and how she has come to conclusions, realizations, um, acceptance, and intentions about moving forward. So I was just really inspired by it, hearing her story, and then wanted to share mine as well. So I hope that it's helpful to all of you because everybody, no matter what chapter you're at in your life, you are in transition from one place to another, and it's never going to stop. I don't mean that in a bad way. It's that we're always in flux and we're always evolving and our minds change and our priorities change. And that's a really beautiful thing. It can be really uncomfortable and really stressful at times. But if we can, you know, learn from each other, lean on each other and gain wisdom and insight from our own experiences, it can make it all the better for making better decisions and feeling good about all those choices moving forward. So uh, I hope that you enjoy this episode with Janet and myself on on pivoting, making changes, making decisions. And a real quick shout out to all of my Patreon patrons. Thank you so much for an amazing January hangout. I'm saying January in air quotes because it was actually in February. Um, Given everything that was going on and is going on in my personal life, I have so much appreciation for my Patreon patrons to show their love. They're super understanding. I have a monthly Google Hangout with my patrons, and um, I needed some space. I needed time to heal and recuperate. I was dealing with being at Sundance, um, running the Asian Pacific Filmmakers Experience, and it was all just kind of really intense for me. So I just want to give you guys a shout-out and a huge hug um, to thank you for being being so understanding, compassionate, so so supportive of me. I mean, patrons are literally those who are really helping me keep this microphone on, but um, it's become a lot more than that. It's become true friends, a community of supporters, and I feel 
in some ways really undeserving of it, but I just want to say thank you. And I'll put that back into creating better content um, consistently with truth and authenticity and purpose, because that's why I am here. And just a little peek on what we talked about. My last Google Hangout, which was a few days ago, was really, we ended up talking about therapy. And um, that's something I do want to discuss more in depth in future episodes, because I'm now entering back into the world of therapy after a break. That was all in last year's episodes. If you want to check that out, go for it. Um, but yeah, for me, the the journey and the evolution continues. So it was such a good touch point for us to discuss our attitudes towards it, our struggles in finding people that really work for and with us. And I learned so much from this Google Hangout. So I just want to put it out there. Um, Wherever you're at and whatever you are figuring out, ask for help. Help is everywhere. It is literally everywhere. People are all, we are all so much more similar than we realize. And we can compare and contrast all the live long day because a lot of us do this kind of the society we're living in. But seek out the similarities and seek out the support because it really is all there. And maybe the barriers that you're facing about why you feel stuck or not moving forward is just a matter of you taking a new perspective and asking for help to people right in your vicinity, like right there next to you. And they want to help you and they can benefit from you just being able to talk about it. So um, that was something really profound and beautiful that I got out of the last Google Hangout. And of course, if you want to become a supporter, first of all, podcast, and you want to come to these Google Hangouts each month, um, you're more than welcome to the more the merrier. And yeah, go to patreon.com slash first of all podcast. And there will be more shout outs at the end, but um, I want to get to this episode. So I hope you're doing well. I hope you're taking care of your minds and that this conversation with Janet gives you something positive and constructive to move forward upon. So without further ado, here's my episode with Janet Wang from Asian Boss Girl about pivoting and making choices. Enjoy. I'm tired of it Hi, Janet. Hi, Minji. How are you doing? I am good. Welcome to my studio. Thank you. (laughs) You have a lovely studio (laughs) of carpet and walls (laughs) and bedroom. It's okay. I totally understand. We record on my kitchen table. I love how you guys record. (laughs) I love how you guys share that in your Instagram. I've already told you a million times, but your Instagram stories are like truly inspirational just because from a BTS point how open you guys are with your audience. Aww. Like, this is how the sausage is made, Yeah, guys. pretty much. <laughs> no, but I love your setup on the floor. This is something that I've actually wanted to try out more because I feel like it's more, it feels more relaxed. Yeah. See, more first grounding. it started with necessity because I was like, yeah. I don't have a setup, but it actually worked. And yeah. people were commenting like, oh, I just feel like, yeah, I'm sitting here chilling with a friend. Yeah. It's like, you are. So <laughs> good. Uh, how's your new year going? Oh my God. I can't believe it's already, tomorrow's going to be February. Yeah. Um, I have the, it's always that dual thing where they're like, it feels like time is flying by, but it's also going really slow. I feel like so much has happened in just the last like two months, but, but then, um, it also feels like, I don't know, it's passing so quickly. For sure. I'm like having this warped sense of time. 
Like I am like, oh, should I be thinking six months ahead? But then that feels so far. Mm. But I'm like, it's already February. Yeah. <laughs> so why aren't you planning? Um, but yeah, emotional, emotional things happening in all our lives. I've already yeah. shared it on the podcast, like what's been going on with like breakup stuff or yeah. like, um, but still processing a lot on my end. But you're talking to me about how like you're going through career stuff and everything. And that's why I was like, I've been dying to have you on this podcast. We got to know each other through off the mic. Yeah. And um, just your story and, like, your experiences building your career and the moves that you've made, I think, are so fascinating. Um, Not just fascinating, but they're just inspiring because, to me, it seems like you're just a person who really takes action. Mm. Those are the kind of people I gravitate towards versus just the thinkers. Oh, that's very sweet. Thank you. So, first (laughs) of all, Janet, (laughs) I I would love for people to get to – do you have, like, do you have your elevator pitch of, like, your abbreviated to how you got here to being an Asian boss girl? and oh, UX because <laughs> I'm all ears I'm here for all of it um, and I want people to have context I guess I could do the little mini elevator pitch um, when we've gone to kind of like school speaking events uh, so I started in college studying uh, mathematics and economics Mathematics and economics, uh, minoring in international studies, which is, you know, a very like good Asian kid major to have. And it led me directly into looking within the realm of business. Um, I started my career working at Deloitte um, in their international tax division doing global transfer pricing, which is something kind of obscure, but it was a good, you know, reputable company, good, stable job, very directly related to what I studied. Um, and then got in and pretty much by week two, like hated it. Mm. Uh, but went through the cycle of, I don't know what else to do was there for about two and a half years. And I think that was the leaving that job was the first time that, or the first part of the first decision that I made that I feel like then resulted in a huge, um, round of different executions of trying different things. Mm-hmm. I think it was the hardest to make the jump at that time. Cause I had never jumped before. Right. Um, the once first time. it was the first, the first jump and, um, maybe this is a little cliched and this is not the elevator pitch cause it's a little <laughs> side anecdotes, but, uh, what helped me actually make that was a boy. So <laughs> that jump. don't they, <laughs> they're such interesting yeah, catalysts to yeah. keep things interesting. All of the, the, the true BTS, right? Like, yeah. I mean, when you talk about looking at the whole person, when you look at a career, mm-hmm. right? I'm not just the person that goes into the office, like off hours. Right. I am, you know, I had moved to a new city. I was dating mm-hmm. and there was a guy that I had met who, um, had started his own like graphic design company and had come from a corporate back background, moved all the way across the country and pursued, um, his love of like a creative endeavor as well as building a business. And I found that really inspiring. Um, and he was very supportive and I kind of made this leap, um, with him as like a friend. Uh, and then this was then started my, my whole like process of trying out a couple of different things every few years. Got it. Um, and I had always known, I had two kind of mission statements that guided me. One was I want to help people. And the other was I want to do something more creative. Very, very broad statements. I had no idea what those actually meant. Right. And so I started on my path of exploring what that would mean. Um, and first dabbled in social enterprise work in San Francisco area, decided or realized that I can't really make a living for myself doing this. A lot of people will go into that once they've already made their money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's like I have free time now and yeah, disposable I'm, I'm, income. Exactly. What, what do I want to do with my life? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, I'm not there. I'm at the beginning of my career. So then after kind of being in that space, pivoted into more traditional uh, industry, which was advertising. Mm. Um, and that was me kind of thinking, okay, I tried the helping people part. 
that's not the way that will work for me right now. Let me try the creative thing. Um, and then I didn't want to go back to art school or do anything like that. So I thought I would use my skill set, which was um, somewhat of an analytical background, and go into brand strategy. Mm. So the function of brand strategist, but in a creative environment with art directors and with copywriters. Um, so kind of so cool. Pivot into that. And one helpful tip for those who are looking to uh, career pivot, I've done this twice, um, is to go into a boot camp type program. Yes, you mentioned that. Yeah. And yeah. those sometimes, I mean, I, I they do take a financial investment. Um, and so there's like different you know, circumstances that are different for everyone. But for me, I found that really helpful was to be able to commit to 10 weeks where you're in a program and you're with other people who are also making that huge shift. Cause like we say, it's not just your career, it's your life that you're changing completely. Yeah. You're pausing your life to kind of do this new, new change. And oftentimes these programs will help you do if it's like a portfolio or resume, whatever it is that you need. Yeah. And then they also connect you to potential first jobs. Um, so I did that and they're I, the on-ramp, they're, yeah. like, they're really setting you up. That's good. So I'm realizing that this is not an elevator pitch and I'm just fully diving. No, I love it. No, because I think this, I mean, this is what I found so great about your journey. First, okay. I'm just saying first, like I'm getting, I've said journey. So I think that was like one of my top words of 2019 <laughs> that I'm a little bit over it, but it is the most accurate because it is a journey and it's like, you know, you're not going, you're not stagnant in any one yeah, space. Yeah. You're going from one place to another. So we're just going to keep going with the word journey. Yeah. <laughs> but your journey has been very much, uh, it's been very colorful, you know yeah. what I mean? And there's a lot of, and I think that may be a, a marker of our generation, mm-hmm. that there is more color to our journeys than previous generations because yeah. technology and lifestyle and social media, all these yep. different things influence us to have that open-mindedness and yeah. to have that courage. But I also still know a lot of friends who don't have as colorful lives. They do, and it's no judgment. They they have a life that I, in a lot of ways, envy because yeah. it's very steady and yes. it's very, you know, it's very aesthetic and it's yeah. it's very, you know, <laughs> looks good on paper. Ste- yeah, it's just great looks great. It's wonderful. <laughs> and part of me is like, damn, if that's good enough, like, good on you. Yeah. To me, there's always been kind of like this curiosity or this whatever you want to call it. My mom says I'm like too ambitious. I'm too. Mm. She she. There's a word in Korean that I think uh, I think it translates to like greedy Mm. but it's like she she that worried her about me that like I wanted more yeah yeah and I was like in America that's the good thing like you're (laughs) supposed to you know and and to want to go after that there's a lot of hesitation there's a lot of self-doubt so the fact that you have had all these moments that you can then reflect on this this long path of saying I've made these big choices for myself at these different markers is a great thing to have done, in my opinion. Can I be can I be honest about so there there's been a lot of internal switching of how I perceive my own identity and, and how and what these changes have meant. Mm-hmm. And I would now in in reflection, now that it's been what, like well, oh my how old I am <laughs> <laughs> I oh, we're going there. in two thousand seven. Uh-huh. So uh like the last thirteen years, I would say now upon reflection, the first probably five years of all those jumping around was actually very, it was done out of that greediness and that ambition and that like ego driven Mm -hmm. because I was looking for the perfect job or basically the perfect way to define myself. Mm -hmm. I was looking at my job to be every, it had to be the thing that made me money so that I, and it had to be reputable. And then I also had to be helping people and then I had to be good at it and I had to be able to artistic and like express myself. Yeah. And so it took a while for me to bump around and to really 
in my definition, fail because mm. there were periods where, and when you say there are people that kind of look and see that you've done all these things, I've had some people that will be like, you are all over the place, but I've had yeah, actually right. much more people, I think because of our cultural background who are like scared to make that move. And they're like, I really admire, I find it so brave. They use the word brave. And yeah. I'm like, I don't think you understand that on the other side of brave is stupid. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't make this change like out of bravery. I kind of like cut the cord and like left be- and I didn't know, I didn't know the great costs that could come up. I didn't know yeah. how bad it could get basically. Yeah. You know? You're just going. Yeah. yeah. I didn't, I didn't fully understand. I think what I was getting myself into. I think when I left that secure job and then I went into this other thing, I was like, well, I'm going to find it then. And then when I didn't find it, I was like, okay, hiccup, but the next thing onto the next thing. And then when you hit another wall and the next thing you're like, fuck, this isn't it either. Yeah. Then you're like, okay, I'm pivoting again, but seriously, like, where am I? I feel like here's the yellow brick road and I'm like 10 miles to the right. And I'm like, <laughs> somehow you, we got caught yeah. off course. And, um, and it, it can be very um, challenging, especially in our culture where social media is very prevalent. And I'm not just mm-hmm. talking about Instagram. There's LinkedIn, there's mm-hmm. Facebook, all of those things. I remember being like five to seven years out of graduation when I did feel like I was 10 miles left yeah. and looking at all my friends who were like now five years into their career, getting promoted, yep. maybe getting married, moving to, you know, like all yeah. these things. And I was just like, oh my God, I really... Stability, st- like yeah. steadiness. <laughs> like, like what have I done? Yeah. Um, and the thing is what the kind of, so when I say there was a switch in the way I perceived this. So once I start, once I hit that point where I really felt like I had in my own definition failed, mm. but then I survived that. And then I was able to find like, uh, eventually pivot into UX design. And at that time, that is the thing that I kind of just got real with myself. Like, what are the things that are really my priorities that I need for my job? Yeah. And when you were very specific about like, I do want financial stability. Mm-hmm. I do want something that is intellectually challenging for me and and somewhat a match for my skill set. It took me a while to like, when I talked with friends, they're like, yeah, actually like UX design requires these things. Your brain does kind of work that way. So I'm like, okay, it's a thing that I would like and that I'm pretty good at. Yeah. Financial stability. Um, and that it would, that it would be a a work environment where I, or I could find a job that does that and it would be balanced, like good work-life balance. So I just got very specific about what, how I define success versus before it was so elusive and so unachievable. Right. So once I did that, then I was able to achieve it. And I was like, okay, now I'm steady on ground. And I think when I could get on my own two feet that way, then I started to recognize that all of the ways that I was chasing before were out of ego. Like I was like, okay, I figured it out now. Uh Like I was chasing all those things and those are all material. They're not necessarily steady. And some of this was also in timing with like, I started to see the people that maybe five years out were quote unquote successful mm-hmm. another two or three years. That might not be the case anymore. Right. You start to see the further and further away you get from like graduating from the safe structure of school mm-hmm. that people's careers and their lives are all over their place. There really isn't, there is no linear path. 100%. And so once I was able to see that as like supporting evidence for myself that, okay, none of this is like, I'm trying to follow rules for a book that really doesn't exist. Uh-huh. Um, it was like, okay, yeah, kind of remove from the ego and now really figure out what matters to you. And it doesn't matter. Like the things that you thought matter, were they really things that mattered to you or were they because they were things that you were taught? Right. Aren't, you know, th- things that should matter. What were, what was the influence to get you to believe that that was the thing? And I feel like that's a very, I mean, to me, when I hear that that's I mean this is very signature of you and the way that our vibes uh, way we vibe <laughs> I get that from your vibe it's, it's a very enlightened way to think about it and I, I do you know encourage and I hope I'm I'm on my own journey <laughs> <laughs> I'm on my own uh trip like, yeah. <laughs> like I'm figuring it out yeah. and um I've had 
I've actually had a number of religious and like spiritual conversations mm. because all like we're saying that a person in the career is is much bigger than that. We're talking about the entire person as yes. a whole. What influences what brings into that decision making yeah. process? Because like you're saying, definitions of success and failure when you're young, it's kind of predestined for you yeah. mainly by your highly influential surroundings, which mm-hmm. is probably your parents, yep. your family, and then your larger culture, if you go to church, whatever. And then it's like that that journey of, oh, God, see, I'm like, we, we should start doing like a game <laughs> of taking shots, like whenever Minji says journey. But it's it's the it's the journey of finding what, where do you start and where does everything else end yes. and begin, right? Yeah. And so that, in that way, like, I hope, and it doesn't sound like you are, but I don't want people to be too hard on themselves if yeah. you are going down that path, that rabbit hole of chasing X, Y, or Z, because yeah. it'll take you, to me, it's like, it'll still take you, hopefully, as you grow and gain perspective and yeah. get enlightened or inspired or, like, seek for more to get you to where you're supposed to be. Yeah. I'm still a very big believer in that, even though, like, how we get there, why it all happens, that is up to each individual to decide, and totally. I'm not here to, like, shove that down anyone's throat. But me, personally... All the blunders and all the like really bad mistakes and all the misguided notions that I had of like what was going to make me happy or yeah. what was going to be like the defining thing to like, Mindy gets a parade. Like, what yeah. do I want? You know what I mean? And before it was really like I wanted the Oscar. Now it's kind of like I see how political it is. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, <laughs> does it mean, you know, yeah. like things lose their luster and you, yes. you you get to learn more about you and what actually matters. And, and that constantly changes. So yes. I, I applaud you for doing that because I don't think that's a comfortable journey for anybody because you it, it it's the upheaval of like everything you believed you have to like question it all yeah and then also face like wow it's kind of an idiot <laughs> and, I, and to your point yeah it's like not Why are you doing that? down on anyone's like journey for sure and that it's a different interpretation right mm-hmm. like i think i remember having a conversation with some of my younger friends about like oh do you feel like you're just settling mm. if you change and i was like there's a that and it, it yeah it and it did make me like kind of hesitate. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, it's not settling if like what you're looking for actually does change or like what your your definition changes. Right. right? And right. that is something that is kind of, I think, I think for people to just like embrace that it's okay to change your mind like that. Is- that was the number one thing I think I was resisting. Yeah. Because. Because I felt like by changing my mind, I was being flaky. Again, yeah, everything yeah. turned into this really. I talked about this with Christine Chen. Like I have a hypercritical mind, and I'm mm. still working on that as a, as a grown woman who's aware of that. That I have this hypercritical mind. So whatever it is that I wanted to pivot, or if I wanted yeah. to literally just change my mind and have yeah. a different opinion, there's something that resisted that so hard because yep. I would just automatically categorize myself as you're flaky, you're unreliable, yeah. you're wishy-washy. Did you even believe what you believed in the first place? Yeah. And I would just go down this really, really toxic mindset yeah. and not give myself any grace or like any allowance to be like, girl, you're a human being. Yes. Like people's minds change. Exactly. It's okay. Yeah. Um, but that's like the push and pull of it. I feel yeah. like you're just gonna always, and that's a good question to ask. Yeah, at the and end of the day, that all of the things that you just described, I was like, by my like 
third or fourth career thing. So I went into <laughs> advertising and then after advertising, I actually jumped into Chinese medicine. So that was like a totally, like, I love you know, that you did that. Yeah. <laughs> but that, and that was when I moved out of Chinese medicine into UX, I had a huge moment like that where I was like embarrassed mm-hmm. to make that shift. I was embarrassed to talk to people because I had like not only quit my job <sighs> to go into school, I had paid money to go into the school. I like my family, my friends, everyone. It was like also, it was already a hard enough switch for them to be like advertising to Chinese medicine that's a weird thing and then now for them to for me to say like so actually I'm not going to do that I'm going to go into UX design it'd be like a Chinese medicine we were just getting used to that and then now you're going yeah um and I had to like and I had some very good friends that helped me like really break down and walk through this and be like it's not flakiness because when you were looking into Chinese medicine you spent months talking to people Mm. interviewing people yes you know you did your homework you went and you had a list of like this is what I'm doing these are the things that I think are not necessarily a good match but I think I'm okay with it because of these other things yeah but I'm the kind of person that not until I actually try it do I really understand kind of I, I think I had to live it to be like this is what it would feel like to do this as a lifestyle, to mm-hmm. do this as a career. And then and I wasn't just going to classes. I like signed up to work part-time in different offices and I went to visit like all the different clinics. And it was through that experience. I was like, okay, every little thing was like, my gut is like, this isn't quite, this isn't quite, you know? And so having, having people just sit down and be like, remember that it wasn't, this wasn't you just being like on a whim, I'm going to do this. And then on a whim, I'm not like you were thoughtful about it. Right. Yeah. And it's okay then in that thoughtfulness for your conclusion to change. Exactly. Yeah. I, that again, that's what I was saying about your decision. It's, it's very rigorous. Like yeah. I like the scientist in me is like, yes, you had a hypothesis. You, <laughs> you explored that hypothesis, you tested it yeah. and then you concluded Negative. We're not yeah. going. <laughs> we're not going to move forward with this. And I'm curious, like, if we can rewind a little yeah. bit, because where did you go to school? Uh, San Diego. San Diego. UCSD. Yeah. UCSD. Oh, you're uh, uh, is it Triton. 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 <laughs> merman. Um, the merman pop. Um, when did so at that time? I mean, this is such. It's such a big lofty thing, and I still don't like fundamentally think it's wrong. Everyone's like, it's wrong to like tell an eighteen year old to figure out their life. I'm like, it's mm. not telling them to make like define their whole life. It's saying make a choice. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. And I think we're I don't know us big brothers and sisters. So we can be the voices of reason. Like yo, like it might not go that way. Yeah. <laughs> but I still think there's value. The silver yeah. lining is, it's not saying you need to define everything you're going to do from the time that you're entering, you know, undergrad university. It is a big investment of yeah. time and money and everything. So think about it and choose wisely. At the same time, it's a choice and there's yeah. a million other choices that will come after that. So yes. I'm one of those people that will argue, I think it's good to challenge somebody to make a choice, even if that mm. choice ends up not being the thing and what choice ever really is, yeah. you know, fundamentally. That's a very good point. I think the exercise of committing to a direction is is a really good one. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, it is then having to follow up with them. Understand that this is not a permanent choice. Like, yeah. You're going to have to make so many choices after. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like whether you're going to study for said major yeah. <laughs> like, you know, whatever so you when you were at UCSD what what did you have an idea at that time because I was such an an idiot which is I'm not I'm saying that with total love <laughs> but I was such an idiot when I was entering college and 
not an idiot too, because I was really on this path of being a doctor and mm. I'd actually explore that for four years in high school. So my teacher had created this health and bioscience career pathway oh, wow. in my high school. So I committed to that because I was really convinced like, oh, I want to help people. And I, I, yeah. I like science and I'm good at math and all that. So I think I'm going to explore that. And thank God for that because I got to do job shadowing. Mm. I got to interview doctors and a variety. Like I interviewed a pediatrician, a, a plastic surgeon, a general doctor. Like I got to be in the hospital setting and just explore yeah. before even undergrad. Hey, is this something that you might want to do, want to do yeah. for a long period of time and spend a lot of money on. So I wasn't completely stupid. I didn't, after I'd made that decision at like what, 17, 18, I didn't go further past that. Mm. I just kind of was coasting a little bit because I had boy issues and I was mm. like really fixated on that. I wasn't really thinking about the future. So yeah. I'm curious what your mindset was when you're entering, like in those, that's four transformative years. Yeah, yeah. Were you really cognizant of like, your direction at that time or was it very like malleable you know what I mean yeah yeah no that's a great question um I I think I was heavily influenced starting from like junior high all the way through college and early career I would say those that was my period of being like hyper critical and hyper type a um, and very structured and very uh ambitious for the wrong reasons right like because i was i or not maybe for the wrong reasons but it's just the habit of like wanting to achieve Mm -hmm. and then having society very easily defined for you what achievement and success is when you're in a school system right yeah and so from high school like for me i wanted to just get into the quote-unquote best college I actually, Berkeley was like my dream school and I didn't get in mm-hmm. and I was so sad and I kind of went through my my process of like grieving or whatever it was, but then UCSD was like the best of the UC system that I got into and I, I kind of got sad, but then once I kind of got over that, I was like, okay, so then, so this is where you are. So then now the, the, the job becomes then do really well in this school. Yeah. And because I didn't get into the quote unquote good school, my dreams, my, my thing was now I had this chip on my shoulder. I need to find like a really challenging, I need to like kill it here. And so my way of choosing what to do, because I actually didn't have a strong draw toward any type of subject matter. Mm-hmm. I thought, what are the two most challenging and what are the two most reputable of this institution? Yeah. And bio was huge there. Uh-huh. A lot of, you know, UCSD is a very big, like, biomedical. His indeed. <laughs> and then. Oh, the bio nerds. Um, and then there was also economics, which is actually not less their undergrad program, but their graduate program was actually, like, third in the nation. Against, wow. Um, I think, like, third, I think Yale Yale was like first or second, and then UCSD was like second or third. Wow! Um, and if you took some of the classes, it meant that you would get like the professors that took the, that taught the grad programs would teach your classes. And so I, being the kind of masochistic, you know, like overachieving <laughs> person, was like, well, between these two things, and I actually took classes going like the first year or so that were like pre on both ends, and then ended up committing to econ because um, I realized I'm like for bio, I wanted specifically, I was interested in like biopsychology, mm. but they don't offer that at the undergraduate level, and. I was like, otherwise I'm going to be with all these pre-med kids. And for me, I just didn't, I never had a draw towards medicine. So I was like, I don't really want to do that. I don't think I'm going to be able to achieve really well in that. Yeah. So then let me look into econ. And then when I looked into econ, it was okay within econ now, what's like the hardest of the econ majors that I can Dang, go Dang girl, you're just like going all in. <laughs> it was like very masochistic. Yeah. No ambitious, um, we're saying. So, <laughs> Purposeful. And then so, yeah, so I was like, econ is not hard enough. I need to do like the very, like the microeconomics was the more like, um, the more, uh, what do you call it? 
the there's a word for it that's like more numbers based. Okay. Um, and then I was like, even harder, I need to do the math too. So I like did a joint major in math and econ. And then for minoring, I was like, oh, I'm also really interested in like international studies and also visual arts and dance. I was just like all over the place. But I was always kept focused on like the achievement aspect, which mm. was econ math as a degree will look good. And mm. I know that then there is an industry that I can go into with that. Yeah. And then I want to kind of, because I have these other interests, like um, I want to still, I can do that in the form of a minor. And so that was like the looking at society structure, right? What majors are good, what institutions are good, what majors are good. And Uh once I selected math econ, I was like, okay, what career direction is good with this? And then I, you know, looked into the business route. So I read all of the books and all of the online blogs and articles around like within, if you want to go to business school, what are the different industries? You go into a finance job, investment banking, or you go into management consulting, all these things. And coming from UCSD, actually, there was like no support. UCSD is not a very big school for any type of business uh, background. Got and it. so I kind of was fighting a little bit of an uphill battle at this point. And when I was, I still remember like when I started uh, applying for jobs, there weren't even, our job fairs were all like um, bio or like Yeah, because ph- it's the bio school, right? Yeah. So I actually like drove to like USC's. I like went to other campuses and like kind of just like showed up and like gave people my resume. <laughs> Good for you. Um, and then, and I had this big picture dream in my mind. I was like, I'm going to go to business school. So then, and to get there, I'm going to go into management consulting. And to get there, I want to work in either New York City or San Francisco. But I was from SoCal at a no-name school for any of those institutions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I still remember going to some of, like, I think, so Deloitte, I ended up going into their, like, tax department, right? But they also had a consulting division. I was, like, gunning for that. And I still remember going to UC Irvine to the campus and, like, handing my resume to the guy and then having him, like, because I kept, like, you know, following up, like, emailing and calling. And he was like, honestly, we look for people with a little bit of a different background. And I knew that was him doing his job the easy way was they would, because Irvine actually has a really good computer science program Uh and their consulting for tech looks, recruits from Irvine. Got it. They have their specific schools. So if it's like Ivy League and then, or if it's a a school with a a program that's very strong in their specialty. That's what they'll pluck their talent. They'll pluck, right? Yeah. But they, UCSD, like if you're not in, it doesn't make sense for him to put, he has no reason to push your resume through. Mm. So his excuse to me was, we're looking for people with a little bit of a different, like, work experience background. I was like, and I challenged it because I knew he was just bullshitting me. Yeah. I'm like, I know I have strong, like my major is strong, my GPA is strong. I did a lot of internships. So I was like, what exactly is it then that you're like, <laughs> and of course I did, I got like some fluffy answer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was like, I was pushing, I was so like showing up like the doorstep with my resume. I was calling places in, in New York City. I remember because of the time difference getting up at like 5 a.m. in California to just try to email and spam and be like, give me an opportunity. To- <laughs> Look at you. Damn, I'm looking at my whole life and I was like, I was such a lazy <laughs> bum. But wow, like that's that's incredible. But the thing is, I mean, I think I do take away, like I think that um, drive mm-hmm. and that and that hunger and that like work ethic is good. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, I realized like I was doing that all for like, I don't know if it, maybe it was for the right reasons, but sometimes I feel like it was for the wrong reasons. Like, because it was, in hindsight, I think I was trying to fill a void of identity and mm-hmm. self-worth. Mm-hmm. Like, why do I need those things to, like... To feel good. To feel good about myself. Yeah. 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 Um, it's so. a big thing to to acknowledge the hyper And again, I think, I think ultimately it's like what you do with those. It doesn't mean that those choices were right. They could have been wrong decisions. Yeah. I made a lot of wrong decisions. <laughs> but the the thing is to take away, they were wrong. Why were they wrong? And then what yeah, do you do with that? Exactly. So I think it, it's totally, and, you know, I wonder because there's so many different versions of ambition. Like that word is very, 
it's it's pretty Loaded. vague word. It just yeah. means someone who's driven, but by what? Yeah. That's yes. what I, yeah. I, I guess uh, over the years I learned that I really care about, I love ambitious people, but I've met a lot of different types of ambitious people yeah. who are very, uh, they're very persistent in their work and like they can be pushy about it or they can be really quiet and persistent. Like, and, and there's some that have, I think purpose that aligns with me and some mm-hmm. that don't. Some are very, very money driven, ego driven, whatever. They all have their utility, but like I'm kind of trying to find the people I vibe with. And yeah. that just kind of takes life experience, right? Yeah. And you, just, which is what you're saying. Like it's the doing that teaches you that lesson. You're yeah. not, you're in it. So you're not really like thinking like every moment, like, why am I doing this? Yeah. You're, you're in your early 20s for God's sake. You're just trying to survive and get a job and make yeah. this huge investment of time and money worth it. So what I'm saying is like to anybody who's gone down that route, whether you're a lazy bum like me and obsessed with boys and like just try to socialize your way through life or like if you're being like, I, I just think that it's so great because this is the part that I'm really taking to heart nowadays, yeah. actually in my 30s, about that rigorous, um, you know, no bullshit, very like no, take no prisoners mentality. Like you have to, you have to be that hungry to go after what you want. And I really respect that. Even if, even if in your mind, it's like for the wrong reasons, um, it takes a lot of energy and a lot of people are not going to invest that. Yeah. So again, maybe wrong reasons, (laughs) but still decisions. And so, so then the Deloitte thing, you, well, you made it, you got into their tax division, you said. And a lot of people, like, there's a lot of people that I realized in California, in America that, because we, you know, we, you and I both have listeners from all over, um, that people don't know, like the world of like, is it big four? Yeah. Yeah. So Deloitte is one of the big four account, let's, is it accounting? For, it's a consulting they do, firm. They're a cons- um, consulting. They firm. have multiple arms of businesses, so it's like consulting. I never understood tax. that. Like everyone talked to me because yeah. I went to Berkeley <laughs> and I was in the Bay and I was around all these like super Type A like geniuses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're all talking to me with these terms that I didn't know. And I didn't want to be the idiot be like, what does that mean? And it's stupid because we were in the age of the internet. I could have looked it up, but I didn't care enough to look it up. But I was just like, okay, big four. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> Sounds really important. Um, but what would you, how would you define big four to like an outsider? That's a, yeah. So big four, they're, they're, uh, I don't even know if they are the same anymore, but they were the four largest like uh, conglomerate or like companies that worked within the finance slash consulting slash business space. Um, and the big four, it, it mostly that is a term that comes from accounting and finance. Mm. So Deloitte had a very heavy finance and accounting uh, yeah. and tax practice, but they also had a consulting arm. And then if you look into the arm or into the world of management consulting, that was actually a fully different. There's no big. There's like a different big four or like there's your McKinsey's and your Bain's. And, yeah, McKinsey. And, is another and all one of that. and in, in fact in that <laughs> world example. Deloitte was looked upon as like kind of the like in the lower the second or third tier so this is the oh. way this is why yeah like I really I didn't like I think I started to realize that it was like title chasing for me right mm. not only because mm-hmm. for me I didn't even want like I was reaching for like I was like give me the Bain and the McKinsey trying to come from like UCSD like come on there was no <laughs> I believe in you Janet I'm <laughs> or, such an or, under I'm, I'm like sure. screw the Ivy League you can do whatever you want <laughs> I'm sure they probably interviewed some people, but I was always that personality that was re- over- overreaching probably my qualification of what I qualified for. I say overreach. For, <laughs> and, and the thing is, I definitely promote that behavior, but I realize in myself now that the, my motivation was not correct. Mm. Like, I wanted that not for the right reasons. I wanted it for the title, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I've learned since that whenever I reach for something for that reason, I never get it. Yeah. And the best things that happen are usually I hustle and then the right thing finds me. Mm-hmm. So it, has, it comes naturally. Naturally. We find each other. Yeah. <laughs> we find each other. Yeah. There's an alignment there. Yes. I mean, that's the woo part of me, but I, I've, I've 
I think I've gone through different versions of that, that chasing. Yeah. Like what, whatever it is that mm. you're chasing is also the things that you really want are chasing you too. Yeah. As like, you know, hippie as that sounds, <laughs> I believe it. And there's, there's a thing about chasing and going after what you want and also letting what you want come to yes. you. Yeah. That's, that's a, it's a fine art and we are still yeah. trying to master it as we speak. But I think that, you know, there, there's something about the, the achievers and maybe that's something that is, you know, as much as I get really bored or don't want to perpetuate stereotypes, it's like, it goes without saying, like, there are stereotypes for a reason. And it is a pretty signature stereotype of at least Asian Americans or Asians in general in the world of this very hierarchical, very achievement driven, mm-hmm. uh, mindset. Yeah. And fundamentally, I don't think it's, it's wrong to strive for excellence in right. that way. If that's the byproduct, like you're going for the creme de la creme yeah. and you become really fucking good at what you do yeah. and you're brilliant and like, you know, your mind expands and all that. That's great. So yeah. I say go for excellence. So I would never want like for my children to go for less than right, the right. great. But however, the why and the, the why, is the why the and the what is it does matter. Like, yeah. are you doing it because without that title or without that X Y Z, you feel completely worthless? Right. That's where I'm like. That's, that's a very dangerous, dangerous yeah. area. So I think that's where we're all kind of questioning because yeah. there is so much anxiety, depression. There's a lot of suicide in Asia. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like this harping on this one goal and this one mindset without really going further yeah. about why you're doing it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just like, you got to make a ton of money and you got to like, yeah. so we can brag. <laughs> so we can like put it in the family newsletter on WeChat or like whatever yeah. and make everybody feel like worse than us. Cause yeah. that's all we got. Um, those that's, you know, there's, there's dangerous things at play and it's not to laugh at the, it, it, it really does concern me because yeah. I've been around it yes. my life and I've had it myself and I don't even know where I picked that up because I don't feel like my parents were necessarily same jamming that into my yeah. head. You know, something I realized only in the last like two years, cause I, I had all the way up until that point till now, like been saying, cause my parents were saying, we're not like, my mom always says, I'm not like the typical Asian mom. Like I, you, you should go out and play. Don't do your home. You know, like she kind yeah. of promoted this like very free thinking, do what's like, be happy, prioritize your self care. But, and I was like, this is such a mind fuck. Like then why did, <laughs> why did I like self-impose all this stuff? Yeah. And I realized it's because with a lot of these, um, these like the Asian parents and my parents came over as immigrants, but they were also had the luxury of already had an education in Taiwan and mm. kind of came here pursuing the American dream. Mm. So it wasn't necessarily about survival for them. It was about, I'm supposed to build a company. I'm supposed to like reach higher. Thrive. I'm supposed to reach higher. Right? Yeah. And for people that come with that background, it was, there isn't so much of the traditional tiger parent, but the, the, the rub is that they were raised by people that still thought that way. Mm. And so in their in their verbal to you, in the way that they raise you, they're going to say one thing in yeah. their actions, they're going to do another. Right. I mean, at the dinner table, they're going to be talking about their friends whose kid is doing this and isn't that great. Yeah. And like, oh, but you just told me that, you know, like to go out and play. But then yeah. at the dinner table, I'm hearing that the people that you you idolize and the people that you can't, you know, that you yeah. commend are doing these other things. Yeah. They're, they're you know, achieving the, the, they're going to the schools that are the name brand schools. They're going to the, the kid companies. from Princeton who just got a Nobel Prize. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's who we're talking but about. But you should go out and rollerblade. That's, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, 
I'm so, getting some mixed messaging yeah. here, mom. Yeah. Um, if you didn't exactly. notice. Yeah. So that, so that was something for me that helped kind of connect the dots. It's like, oh, they were, and it's, it is not bashing on my parents. Like I love, and I, I understand that. And I'm probably going to do this to my kids. Oh too, yeah. 100%. Right? I'm it's like, but it was, yeah, that they definitely had, they desired to promote a certain type of way, but they cannot help that they still believed what they believed mm-hmm. because they were raised to believe those things. Right. And so that means that it's going to trickle into the child for me. And then that I'm going to innately kind of develop these habits and like, or these values as well, that that's what I'm going to pursue. For sure. And that's, it takes a a certain level, not a certain, I think it just takes a a lot of consciousness to be aware of that and to, to go into your own subconscious to be like, well, I believe this, but these are what my, yeah. Who has time to think about all this stuff? Like the fact that we have the luxury of doing that, I think is it is very privileged, and that's why I'm yes. glad that you, Helen, and Mel talk about this. I'm, I'm like barely talk about Asian Boss Girl, but yeah. I love how you guys share your different paths of like where your brains are, mm. where your feelings are, and how you made the choices that you did to get where you are. Because in we were left to our own devices. Yeah, and and for better or worse, like there's part of me that really prides myself in the fact that we were left to our own devices because that made me, in my mind, I I have you know kind of reconfigured it to be like I'm, I'm a scrappy kid. Yeah, like you you throw me in a in a rushing river, I'll swim. Yeah, I'll, I'll get there. But I also feel like you know times are changing, and so it doesn't hurt to have somebody give you their insight and their guidance based yeah. on what they learned. Um, I think I would have really loved to have had podcasts like yours and mine to yeah. like get some further insight besides 17 magazine yes <laughs> or teen or whatever it is like Perez Hilton which whatever um but you know what you know it's like I'm not dwelling in the past it's yeah. just I think about those things I was like wow it's to give credit to the fact that like you took all those things you're given these set of circumstances and you still found your way through all of that and I think that that's the same thing I say to this generation as lost and anxious and as depressed as a lot of people are feeling right now, even in our, our yeah, age, you know, it's not even too. talking just like college kids, yeah. but the, you know, our, our 30 somethings that are still very like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. Am I actually happy? Am I fulfilled? We're all figuring it out. And I think yeah. it's the most that we can be just reflecting on it openly in a public forum yeah. to recognize like, yeah, there are a lot of wins that we can share. And there's a lot of smiles and highlights. And there's a lot of introspection going on behind the scenes yeah. where we're like sometimes beating ourselves up, sometimes just trying to find complete acceptance of like, wow, I really made it harder than that needed to be. Yeah. Yeah. And then spinning that and being like, well, this is how I want to go forward. Um so I'm just like want to take that little break to like I love Asian Boss Girl. I'm Aww. so glad that we love first of all podcasts. <laughs> I just getting to know you guys has been really great. Like beyond what you guys share on yeah. air. Um and and then I'm curious with like Big Four being like this thing, you said you're chasing that and then you're chasing the advertising life. Was after that? Um, directly after, after that was the social enterprise. Work. Social enterprise in yeah. San Francisco. Then it was advertising. Yeah. Then it was Chinese medicine. And now it's... Yeah. Wow, <laughs> oh, you got my path. I got it. No. I barely have my story. <laughs> I grow, I don't know mine. I'm like, well, mine is of a series of overlapping. Oh. I kind of like that yours is sequential. <laughs> mine is like, well, from this year to this year, I did this. But during the middle of that, I started out. So mine is like... A it's, braid. It's a, a braid. braid. Yeah. It's 100% a braid. So you're very good at that. Um, so I... I I I have this like 
this appreciation for the fact that you you went, you did, you stopped, and then you went to the <laughs> next. You know what I mean? Like that's that's really that's something because people don't do that. And then to you, so you went from to social enterprise, and I yeah. also need you to explain that because I don't yeah, think yeah. that even I, when you first said that to me, I was like, I don't know what that means. No, totally okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so social enterprise work is essentially using business solutions for social problems. Um, and this is something I discovered when I uh, took a couple of international studies classes in undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, I was taking classes around like economic development and things like that. And probably one of the more infamous um, cases or examples of social enterprise work was specifically social or microfinance. Ooh. So Muhammad Yunus, who was the guy from India, and he created this system where you would lend, um, it was like a lending system for different families within India and a way for them to dig themselves out of poverty. Yeah. So social enter- or micro enterprise, different from micro uh, finance, which is kind of underneath the umbrella of social enterprise work in general, uh-huh. is where you are teaching someone to do something in, or you're using a business solution. So uh, one thing, like I, before I went um, into Deloitte, I actually did like a 10 week period uh, volunteer work in Kenya because I was interested always in this kind of like social enterprise space. But this, this organization essentially would build honey hives and then they would wow. loan them to farmers, teach them how to harvest honey. Wow. And then help them sell that honey. And then from the profit that they make from that honey, they slowly pay back the loan for the hive. And then once they paid it off, now they have an income generation source wow. to help them um, make money. So it's so social so enterprise noble. is the um, umbrella of essentially any organization. So that is an example of like a small business, mm. but it can be a nonprofit. It could be, um, I don't know, an individual investment fund, but you just invest purely in like social causes. Um, so in San Francisco, the way that I found um, a group of people doing this work was they first started doing... Uh, like an annual conference and they invited people like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation all the way to people working like Muhammad Yunus and his team or things like that Um, and then to then people like in San Francisco who you know had a lot of money and were investing like as a solo investor angel investor or whatever Uh uh so they did an annual conference and then they started uh, on a more daily basis wanting to be able to gather people who were doing all like in different industries but all with a social focus and so they created a work a co-working space wow um, and then we're generating. That's so San Francisco. Yeah. It is very. Sa- That's yeah. so San Francisco. Yeah. So they uh, they were, had a posting for like a marketing. I don't even remember if it was an intern or freelance or whatever it was role, but um, to help them like to be working in the co working space, but then helping them kind of like throw that annual conference. So I thought to myself, it's a conference that gathers all the people in the space. I want to figure out a way to work in this space. Let me just go and help them plan this so I can meet all these people. Um, Good for you. It was, it was great, and I you know I got to do that. But from meeting them and realizing. Oh, any job opportunities that they could offer me would not be like able to sustain life. (laughs) Yeah, that's so So. real. No, and I I feel like I I learned that honestly with like my what decade plus with collaboration. It's like doing the Mm -hmm. nonprofit work and doing things that for social good. There's so many ways to go about it. You know what I mean? That's what you really learn. And there's no I have it's 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 simply a personal preference and understanding of like what do you need? Yeah, some people don't need as much. Like and and that's totally fine. And then some people need more or want more and that's totally fine too. It doesn't take away the purpose. You know what I mean? Like you just, you figure out how it adjusts to you. Cause I had a lot of, I had, and especially in San Francisco, my God, I mean, I, that's my home and it's, it's obscene how much it costs to live there. Um, I don't think it's, I don't know what's going to happen. It's just not sustainable. Like you have so many smart, good people 
who cannot live there. It's you, what are you going to do? Yeah. Like people are going to run. And to be completely honest with myself, I think that, I mean, yes, if I really was passionate about that work enough, I could have learned to make it work. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think mm-hmm. at that point in my life, I realized like I was coming from working at Deloitte and then having a lot of friends in the city who were working at jobs where they were making very healthy incomes and yeah. used to a certain lifestyle that yeah. I was then used to. Yeah. So I could see the discrepancy of like, I wasn't ready to give up that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And coming from that, that background and that way of thinking, I still did value money. And I still, I had some part of my identity that I tied to, if I was only making this much or mm-hmm. whatever it was, then somehow that didn't reflect, like, I don't feel like I'm being valued enough. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and it's taken a lot of time. Like, and I'm still not, there's still aspects of that that I'm still battling with. Right. Yeah. Trying to differentiate like what is like finances for me to survive, but then also finances as a form of reputation. Yeah. Like learning to separate that. And, yeah. And that's a hard one. It's a hard, that's yeah. a very hard one. I'm but, still very much struggling with that. And I would say, but if you are able to do to really ask yourself those questions and to be able to separate your reputation from your from like finances from a form of reputation it's so incredibly freeing it is it's the same as like when i was able to se- like i feel like like failing or like being like 10 miles away from the path for me was some of the best it's was the hardest stuff to go through but it was the most rewarding i describe it as feeling like golden handcuffs coming off coming off because like i couldn't help that i valued the titles i couldn't help that i valued the money Mm -hmm. but then once i didn't have it anymore and i was fine and it it doesn't you know you come you come it comes back in waves and you'll go through experience like you know i go back into experiences sometimes where i still question but like but slowly as it happens more and more, and I truly can separate my identity and self-worth from the title, from mm-hmm, the money, mm-hmm. it's so freeing. Yeah. It's so freeing. Yeah. It is. I'm, and I'm, I, f- I can feel it from you. <laughs> it is a lot, you know, for anybody who, whether even you're conscious about it, but being tied to achievement. Yeah. It's not something that's like fundamentally evil or anything like that, but it just mm-hmm. becomes something. It's a burden. Yeah. Um, that you just incorporate into everything that you do, yeah. right? And for me, I mean, that I can relate to. That's how I felt when I wanted to switch out of being executive director of collaboration to, like, being a freelance. Like, not even yeah. being a... I didn't want to freelance. I wanted to make art. I wanted mm-hmm. to do the thing that I had said I was going to do. And that was also a big deal for me is that mm-hmm. I had told a lot of people, yeah. I'm going to be an... I am an actress. I'm a fil- I want to be a filmmaker, and I did that purposely saying, like, I'm telling people these things because I want to be held accountable mm. because I do care about what people think. Yeah. And I don't want to be that girl that, like, ran her mouth, like, all yeah. over everything and then suddenly, like, where are her films at? <laughs> and people are still talking to me about it right now. And so to me, I kind of, like, set myself up to mm. be shamed in a loving way yeah. from people who were rallying for me. Right, right. But that had a lot of the necessary process was to separate ego yeah because i couldn't like for a lot of reasons i had a hard 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 time letting go of that title mm. that and that role and that responsibility and that everything that it meant to me it meant a lot to me but to put that aside and say yeah. hey i'm gonna start off from ground one i'm ground yeah. zero and like really build from the ground up i'm gonna like eat crow if i need to eat crow i'm gonna be yeah. like an invisible nobody that is a huge choice to make yeah. and it's a big bitter pill to swallow for a lot of people because ego has a very big place in our lives in terms of driving ambition and like driving motion and stuff so for someone to be aware of that and to be able to separate i think it's a lifelong process yeah um maybe some are better at than others i'm gonna go do sound baths and meditate and do whatever i need to do so i'm still working on that same same but i'm i'm so i'm so thankful that you know that there are other there are increasingly more people like you out there that can can acknowledge that and be like, yo, 
that is a real part of me, but that's not part that I want to keep. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. cool. Yeah. And and now, yeah. <laughs> moving and then, on. And like I said, it's not a linear journey. Yeah. Like, the last job, so I'm, I'm in a, and this is taking it all the way back to the beginning where you're talking about 2020 and how it's felt like a long time, but also a, brief, a very brief time. My sense of time is a little shaken right now because I'm also taking a bit of time off from work. Mm-hmm. Um, so my day-to-day is totally different than yeah. what it was like two months ago. Um, but the last job that I had was, I feel like, so I went into, it was like, for about eight months. So probably about a year ago, I was getting kind of stagnant on my previous job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like kind of itching for a change again. And, and in hindsight, now I realized that the things that I started looking at were some of those very old structured ways of thinking. Mm. So I was like, I want to look for where I can get promoted, good, fair pay, good title and that kind of a thing. And then I ended up right back where I was, which is working at a job that just didn't fill didn't fill me and actually really, really was, um, very detrimental, like mm. to my, my just overall like spirit and wellness. Yeah. <laughs> I just burned myself out. Um, so it was not like, I feel like I kind of went back, reverted to valuing some of those things that are not very good for me. Right. Yeah. And then now, but then I took time and I, I quit and I'm, I'm kind of rebuilding again, but yeah, it's just to say like, it's not linear. Like I feel like, Oh, I got it figured out. And I had good, you know, five years of good, you know, and then, and then you kind of make a little bit of a change and then you might end up, uh, some of the, I don't want to call them demons, but they're like your old values or ways of thinking will come back to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'll have to go through the battle again of like, remember what do you really want and like what's really important to you. So. And like you said, even like you are a different person now than even, even though those same feelings might be re- making mm-hmm. uh, their presence known again, they're making a presence known to you now, yeah. which is different than when it was present in your life the last time. Yeah. So yeah. again, you're allowed to make choices. That's yes. I think the beauty and the, the scary part of the pivoting because you have to constantly reassess and it's just kind of that uncomfortable area of like this never ends yeah (laughs) and so I kind of like the place I'm at now where you know I've gone through this breakup and I've gone through reassessing myself and rebuilding myself up and rediscovering myself and also redefining like how do I want it to be I'm really Mm -hmm. kind of focused on the future because I I'm reaching a point in life where I'm very, very tired of dwelling in the past. I think yeah. I've, I think I've learned everything I need to learn. Mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm pretty. I'm like, there probably might be a thing or two, but I think I'm like, we can just keep going yeah. forward now. You know what I mean? Because I'm a very nostalgic, reminiscent, uh, dwelling kind of person. Interesting. Because um, it has everything means so much to me. Mm. But in that meaningness, like I just, it, there's, it's not wasted energy, but it's energy that can be allocated elsewhere, yeah, which yeah. is, where do I want to go? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. where is this ship going from here? Because it's just like, all you're doing is looking backwards. Yeah, yeah. Or even look right here. Just look at what's the right present. in front of you. Actually, like, that's the part that I struggle with. Because yeah. I think... Um, I'm the kind of person that when I'm, when I, my way of coping with stress is to look to the future, but almost too much. So then I end up like trying to plan for happiness then. And I don't really enjoy now. That's real. And I think, yeah, that's, that can cause its own, like, that's its own form of like anxiety. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like you're getting more? I mean, I know that we've talked about like yoga and stuff. Yeah. um, Because we're giving advice at off the mic to a lot of different people. Like also, I want to revive the thank you. Thank you to everyone who came to off the mic yes. and like hung out with us. It was amazing. Um, but you talked about we were we were trying to give strategies and like resources yes. or whatever practices you can do to cope with all those things yeah. while you are processing next steps. Yes. Um, 
Is that something that you're relying on now? Like That's a great, great question. So I uh, just recently was talking to some people about how like yoga was my big like savior type thing in 2019. Uh-huh. And once again, the freedom to change your mind to, and to alter and to make different choices. Yeah. Um, I feel like I kind of like burned out on yoga. <laughs> yeah, it happens. And yeah, I haven't really been going. Um, and instead I've been kind of, in terms of like physical exercise, I have picked up like light running again. And I say light because I've learned that when I go too much and, and like push myself too hard, that it starts to like deplete mm. um so i'll go like maybe three times a week yeah. uh, like three miles or even just like a long like 45 minute hike nice so i'm I'm using more like walking and running and jogging as my like physical way of of um dealing with like coping with stress nice um and then i started a meditation practice um so it's it's and it's a pretty structured one which i really appreciated because i've done meditation in the past but it's always been kind of the more free form like just 10 minutes and i didn't really have like a technique mm. um but i found a organization in LA it's uh transcendental meditation I think a couple of people have talked about it very many people have been talking about yeah so I um I I did their session and it's 20 minutes in the morning 20 minutes in the like afternoon time and I found that I I like their approach because it's the right amount of structure right amount of structure but also not like there's enough free like I guess there's like parameters but it's not like a a step-by-step so that works really well for me um what do those 20 minutes entail I'm for not those really allowed to tell. Oh, you're yeah. not allowed to tell. <laughs> Ooh, another program. mystery. <laughs> well, I will say because, you know, as my, I think what my travels have allowed, I've been so much, I mean, I've been international, but I've done a lot of traveling within America. Yeah. And in that time, I've traveled a lot within the U.S. and North America in the last, what, 11 years, a lot, to corners that I never thought I'd go to, like mm. St. Louis or like Detroit and like... LA is very LA. Yeah. So I'm very, I get really hyper aware of that because I speak on, on behalf of like my brain, my truth and what I believe. But I also care to acknowledge like there are people who don't hear that and receive it the same way. Mm. They just don't because it's like, it sounds very, honestly, to some people, it can sound super privileged. It can yes, sound yeah, super yeah. like, well, I'm working for jobs, bitch. Like I don't yeah. have time to, yeah. but my thing is like, in light of that, just because it's not part of maybe their local culture or whatever, and there there may be whatever resistance to it and and just kind of like like yucky feelings like, oh God, there they go again with their like yoga and meditating. Yeah. Be that as it may. And like I've been very judgy about that too. I mean, I grew up in the Bay Area, so I feel like I grew up judging SoCal a lot. I don't care. It's it's amazing. <laughs> I'm I'm using that as like a disclaimer like I get it and yeah. I I have felt that and I've heard that because every time I leave Los Angeles when I say that I live there now I'm always met with certain like oh god yeah, like yeah. you live in LA yeah part of them is like envious of the weather and the food and all that which is amazing but they also there's there's a level of like oh god like the eye roll and I'm like not all of us are Gwyneth Paltrow with yeah. you, you know <laughs> it's not there's a range and if you yeah, are that's yeah. amazing because yes. people are just all trying to find their peace of mind yeah do you know what I mean that's actually a really good point I do like my my examples are very specific ways that I go about about it, yeah. but I would, if I were to pull back more broadly, like what are approaches? Like move your body. Mm-hmm. I think I think mind, body, and spirit connection. I very strongly believe, or and like emotional, all of them. I think are are related. And so if yeah. you're experiencing a shift and a change in your life, oftentimes it's very like you don't necessarily control your emotional or your spiritual reaction. Mm-hmm. And some people, so you kind of take hold uh, or control of whichever angle you can, right? Yeah. For some people, if you have a very strong spiritual practice, if that's prayer, if that's going to church, then that 
that's something that you can control, which will then eventually connect all of the other things and lift right. things up. Yeah. Or if you're someone who's much more like, if it's just like physically, I can get up and walk around and I can move my body and that will uplift my mood, which will uplift my like mentality, which will uplift my spirit. It's just, it's figuring out kind of like, I guess self-care is so different for every person, for but sure. I think the bigger category is when you're going through a time of shift, that's the thing that I would prioritize the most is taking care of yourself. Absolutely. That means for you. Yeah. I love how you put that. So, <laughs> so structured and perfectly said. I, yeah, I agree with all of that. And I, it's, it's very funny because people can look at that whole self-care and taking care of yourself very again in that in that uh like i don't have time for that like what do you like it's not practical let me like say practically speaking if you are breaking down as i have i know what it's like to be sick every two weeks for 13 months straight that is impractical to like not take care of yourself so that you literally like your body breaks down and gives you the finger because you you have not taken a breath in a year or you haven't addressed a trauma or whatever it is those things have very practical consequences so to me like as as uh spiritual and i'm all i really believe in the alignment and and finding your truth and all that for the deepest part of my heart out of love, right? Like, and I want love for everybody, but it's not just about love. It's about utility and it's about practicality. It's about functioning in a chaotic world that Mm -hmm. is going to keep throwing stuff your way. It's never like, not in a very morbid, like terrible sense. It just doesn't stop. Like it's what we're learning. Like you're sharing, you're in a new phase of life and Mm -hmm. you're, you're given a new set of challenge. You're just better equipped based on all these other experiences yeah. you've had to then now address it in a different way. Yeah. So that's where the self-care comes into like the practically speaking. Cause I've had people argue with me. They're like, Oh girl, I don't have time for that. Like, I was like, yes, you do. Because if you get in a car wreck, cause you fell asleep at the wheel cause yeah. you haven't slept enough, life's yeah. going to make you take time. Yes. Do you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. And like, I don't mean to be like super extreme about it, but that's, I've seen that happen to people. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. I think that for me, the self-care and that like I do, I have, I'm much more of a practical and like grounded person and Mm. the spiritual stuff was much later in life that I kind Mm. of like developed a, um, uh, an affinity for. And I think honestly, that was from going through certain challenges that kind of made me question beyond the surface. Right. Yeah. And so for me, I still, yeah, in order for it to kind of be, have a place in my life, there has to be some grounded utility to it. (laughs) Is this useful (laughs) or is this a waste of my time? Because I have things to do. And it's, and it's true. It's because I have had personal experience and I've seen people where like, if you are broken, Mm -hmm. you cannot, you cannot pour from an empty cup. I Mm -hmm. can't help anyone if I'm also broken. Right. And so there is, and I've also learned for myself that like I'm not the best at knowing my limits. So usually I will hit it and then I will, I will not understand until much later that I'm, that I'm really, really broken. So now, because I've learned that I'm like, okay, if I have small signs that I'm like getting worn out, then I need to, I need to self care for sure. And I, you know, putting that boundary up for other people. And, and honestly, when people really care about you, like they, they will be understanding of that, but that's like a, that's, I guess it's like more of a social thing, you know, but, but that matters too, because I think, you know, we, we talk about, this discussion is really about the self and like how to calibrate that, how to measure yeah. that, how to know, is it time for me to change? Is it time for me to take a risk? Is yeah. it time for me to really like evaluate my morals and like my purpose in life? And it's all this, this kind of self-centered talk, which I think it's not self-centered in a negative aspect, yeah. but it's, we're really focusing on self, but self is also in relationship with others. We don't yeah. live, we're not islands. And yes. so you can't remove the fact that all these other relationships outside of you affect you. So those conversations have been coming up more and more in my life about mm. boundaries and about having true 
friends, like friends who are not sucking the life out of you. Yeah. And that word, I feel like the most, besides journey, I feel like a lot of the, <laughs> the, the other words that were really used was, well, one of them was toxic. Like people yeah. said toxic so much, I think in the last like two years, yeah. it's just ramped up. Um, and toxic is toxic. It's poison, but also you, they don't have to stay that way. You know, yeah. so also figuring out what what parts are like feeding you and what parts are depleting you yeah. and, and act accordingly. And at some point you're going to have to make that choice. So yeah. this is just Janet and me trying to like love on you, <laughs> practically speaking. Yes. Because lots of utility in there. <laughs> lots of utility because it, it is mainly, you know, I want I want it to be useful love, if that yes. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel I feel like I've benefited off of people who have given me not just love, but they give me tools or they give mm. me ways to cope. Yeah. They give me a, a, a an ear or they give me a book or yeah. they give me a resource like, oh, you want to be an actor? Go to this. Like and those are the those are like the little things that just help you move forward. Yeah. Whenever you're in that transition space, or you're pivoting or making a huge life change, or just coming to terms with the life that you have chosen now. Yeah. There's a lot to digest. Yeah. So the least we can do is just like help each other out. Um, so I, I like you. I would like to get into meditating more. I've been very um, inconsistent about it, but when I do do it, I do notice a difference in. My breathing and like yeah, my yeah. the calmness because I'm a very type A like I gotta go <laughs> <laughs> and it it means a lot to me and my body I feel it it helps to calm yeah calm down one of the things that, that I really liked about TM's approach was that because they actually said they they have done medical studies where they hooked up MRIs and Ooh. while people are using their technique your brain waves actually do align which is like a signal of like um kind of uh, like less brain activity some more peace and your your body physiologically is like responding to yeah because if you think about it just if I did nothing but just sit in silence for 20 20 minutes in the morning and then 20 minutes in the evening that's going to have a drastic effect on your body 100 yeah. percent and I, I think that's going to, my big goal this year is to sleep better. Ah, uh, yeah. So I've gotten the activity part down. I've, I, I feel like activity being, moving my body makes a huge difference. And I'll say, you know, I'm not really like sharing like everything that's happened with, with Kenji and my breakup. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I have leaned on heavily is exercise because it is a chemical alteration yeah, of my body. I'm it, like yeah. crying and feeling all sorts of things. I'm like, I need to get up and move. Yeah. And it is it is within, you know, 15 minutes, it is a different shift. Yeah. doesn't mean it fixed everything, but I've improved my mood. I feel mobile and like, yeah. okay, at least we're like progressing. So um, just don't discount the value of these small tweaks. And it can take yeah. it, that that uh, initiation energy can feel so big. <laughs> But it can be worth it, is what we're saying. Um, And anything else? Any other, like, resources or any Mm. other coping mechanisms that you think is helpful? Yeah, I would say um, any type of tool that will help you self-reflect. And that can be journaling. Mm. Um, I think also for some personality types, like, talking with a friend is really, really, like, having just more conversations with people about what you're going through, about what you're thinking about. And especially if they're people that really know you, I found that really helpful in a lot of my transitions to, like, get feedback from people that can reaffirm, remember, these are the things that you value, or, hey, you're really good at this. Um, And if if that's not available, even just journaling, I think... These are the periods where you're going through shifts are really, it's really important for you to try to get an understanding of like what you represent, what you're trying to go for and, and kind of develop some perspective on yourself and perspective on what you want to do. Yeah, for sure. I think it is, it is definitely a practice to externalize your thoughts. Mm -hmm. There's, I think there's, there's a notion that we can feel like, oh, I think all these things, therefore I already know it's in my head. But I think there's a different 
yes. process that happens when you put it down on paper. Yeah. There's tons of things I've written down. I'm like, I didn't know. I yeah. well, <laughs> well, damn. Like, that's what it was. You don't know until you're, like, yeah. in that flow state. Other thing that I want to really recommend, because I've been, not gifting, but I've been sharing, because people are like, oh, you're on your phone a lot. The reason I'm on my phone is that I've been coloring a lot. Oh. I have a coloring app called Happy Color. I'm not sponsored by them, but I would love <laughs> I just love this app very much. It has 1.1 million five-star Oh, reviews. my God. Yeah. Wow, it's a popular. It's very popular, and I have an adult coloring book, and I don't know if, like, that seems whatever to you, but it, oh, I've heard of that. it yeah. has helped me mm. because my mind is all over the place. Yeah. And this has been actually probably for the last, like, six months, just, like, thinking about the future, you know, being mm. in my mid-30s, where am I going, and still being in a yeah. place of freelancing where I don't have a steady income. I've been doing okay and I've been surviving fine, but like really working, worrying about like, how am I going to grow wealth? How am I going to have stability? If yeah. I do have family, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's a lot, right? Oh, I, I hear you. I'm at that same place. Yeah. So whatever, yeah. like what Jan, what you're saying, like to slow down and to be able to like process all those things yeah. for me, one of the random things that has been coming into my life is coloring. And it really kind of makes me focus and stills my mind because mm. I'm just doing that one thing. Yeah. So if that is your cup of tea, there's so many ways. Um, and I think we we can get good answers if we ask questions. Yeah. Ooh, I have another one. Yeah. Um, I've been reading a lot of books around like psychology and spirituality. Um, I'm a I'm a bit of a self help book junkie, and uh. I, I found that especially during periods of change, because I'm the kind of person that when I read about something and I can kind of have a understanding of how someone else analyzes it or how mm-hmm. someone else's story experienced it, it helps me get more context and better understand. So if you're that type of person to like whatever it is that you're going through, self-help books, psychology, spirituality, all of those things can be very helpful in uh, if you read read someone else's like theory or their story. Yeah. Do you have a book off the top of your head that you recommend? Uh, right now I'm reading The Road Less Traveled um, by, I forgot his name, but I think it's Dr. Peck or something. So he's, mm. uh, I think it's like, he was a psychiatrist for the government or something. Um, but his book, he analyzes everything from like, oh my God, what was it? It's, it's more about like, um, he talks a lot about like love, but then it's also from the perspective of the individual and mm. then looking at, yeah, but it's, it's, That's awesome. it's about values and love and discipline and, uh, family dynamics and all of that. So <laughs> <sighs> Small topic. (laughs) The book that I'm powering through, uh, the self-help book that I really like, I'm rediscovering because I feel like it has a totally different application now, is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Dude, my dad loves that book. It's a good book. Yeah. He's I read it in my that book for like twenty years. <laughs> I read it in my early twenties, oh. and it's a, I'm a totally different human being now. Mm. So I'm like, whoa, this is I don't remember. Oh, any that's of interesting. This. Yeah, to reread a book, reread yeah, a book after. I'm like, this is totally different. And then also for anybody who's going through a hard time, um, it's a perspective. And this is not necessarily the way that I think everybody can deal with their feelings. But I'm listening to a book by. Uh, Goggins, David Goggins, mm-hmm. called Can't Hurt Me. And if and people don't know, like, a lot of guys know him, but he is a former Navy SEAL. Like, he's yeah. an ultra-intense guy, uh, went through a huge body transformation. He went through some really, really—he had a rough childhood, and he is a very, like, life is— hard period mm-hmm. life is terrible is never going to be easy it's not meant to be easy but this is how you can power through and overcome mm. so um just listening to his stories i don't know it helped it, his his voice his like his narrative has been giving me a lot of like fire 
like finding my fire again because yeah. I I have fire in me, but it got dampened for mm-hmm. a lot of reasons, and giving me a lot of again not necessarily mimicking his way, but embracing that that same like again no prisoners like I'm taking yeah, no prisoners yeah. mentality of like kind of fighting for yourself. Mm. Like you have whatever it takes, whatever you need to do to survive, whatever you need to do to overcome, you can. Mm. It's just find your way and yeah. do it. Like no one else is going to do it for you. So he definitely gets like it's he's an incredible motivational speaker. Um has had a really really incredible, very tough life and I'm only like a few hours into it's an audiobook. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, these are just some resources, coloring yeah. books, self-help books, transcendental meditation, yeah. go move your body, go talk to a friend. <laughs> um, I, I feel like this is a repeated thing, but I'm repeating it all day on every episode because it's, I'm always reminded, um, how to better ask for help, how to help myself better. Yeah. Um, but Janet, I freaking love you. Aww, I need to you say, too. thank you so much for, this has been great. I know we've been talking about it for a while and, um, I'm happy that we finally got to get it. We made it happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I hope this isn't the last time you'll be a guest. Oh, of course. And, um, I want to let everybody know like where to find you. So can you do your plugs of like where to go yeah, follow Asian Boss sure. Girl? Yes, I am one of three co-hosts for ABG uh, slash Asian Boss Girl. We are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Music, all of the different podcasting platforms. Um, and we're also on social. Um, our handle is at Asian Boss Girl. You guys are way better at social than I am. <laughs> I'm so lazy. I'm so sorry. No, we are, we're so incredible. Okay, there's three of us. Yeah. And Minji, we are so impressed by you as one individual doing everything. Uh, there's three of us and we actually have, we work with like an editor as well. And so it's like, we are incredibly impressed that you do everything yourself and you have so many episodes, like so God. much content. Homegirls love to say. <laughs> uh, I have Marvin. Uh, thank you, Marvin. Um, but Janet, I'm really excited for this next part. This next, yeah. wherever this is going to take you right now. Thank I think you. it's going to be really, really cool. Because I think even from like when I first initially met you and like what we had talked about when we first met at your place, yeah. at your table where you guys record, it's definitely, you know, we're, we're, we got to sit, share a lot of like our souls at that initial meeting. And I felt like we're on the brink of something really significant. And I think that I've been proven right. You know, like we felt that and I think doing that event together was part of us putting ideas and feelings into motion into something real and i think that's so important so whatever everybody else's version of that is just trust it you know like just go with it um we talked a lot about intentions and purpose and goals and like being rigorous in that but also there's that element of just trust yeah just go trusting and letting things um letting things come into your life Mm -hmm. yeah Things will fall into place. Keep the faith. Trust me, I'm working on it too. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much, Janet. Thank and you, thank you to Marvin. Thank you to my audio engineer producer, Marvin Yue, for being my rock on this crazy journey. He has to listen to all these episodes. Oh, and yes. he's thank like, you, Marvin. <laughs> he's like, Minji's going through something. Again. But it's it's all love. And um, thank you to Aquafina and Uzuhan for the use of their music for the intro and outro. And you can find, first of all, on Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, and everywhere else you find podcasts. And if you want to become a supporter of my podcast and me, you can go to patreon.com slash first of all podcast. <laughs> I never know which one has the pod and which has the cast. And if you want to email me, you can email me at firstofallpod at gmail.com. And uh, follow me at Minjeezy and at First of All Pod. And maybe one day I'll post something. <laughs> I've been taking so much time off social media because I've been coloring. But you know what? I'm ready. I'm getting my feet back out into the world. It's time.
time to it's time to go make stuff. But this was um, such a great conversation, and I'm also uh, a really proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, which is a collective of Asian American storytellers and podcasters. And we'll continue to share our stories, and we'll continue to give our our two cents and our wisdom out to anybody who's willing to listen with an open heart. And we wish you all the best. I love all of you guys, and thank you so much for tuning in. This is bye from Minji. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, came in '88 with a dream all so bright-eyed. They knew right away, sink or swim. There's no lifelines. Cutting the teeth on the move. Nobody's filling these shoes. Balling on a budget, had to go to notch a super size number two. Cash. Way that the world ain't budging. Gotta make a power move. Deep in the darkest dungeons, I'm digging up my own room. Hands on the plow. Keep my head down. Keep my head down. Sweat on my brow. Sweat on my brow. Don't make a sound. Pay my dues now. Mmm, but we're still here. And we're going strong. It's an exciting time in Asian America. There are more movies, TV shows, books, and music reflecting us than ever. But all of these represent just a small slice of Asian American culture and experiences. So what do we do? Tell more slices. Asian Americana is a show that explores these slices of distinctly Asian American culture and history. We've talked about how Chinese Americans built California's Sacramento Delta, the art scene turns gallery institution giant robot, a play that explores the lost Cambodian pop music of the 60s and 70s, and, of course, Boba, just to name a few stories. You can find Asian Americana at asianamericana.com or on your podcast app.